1: Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyssen. We're supported by La Col. This is the recap of Tour de Suisse Stage 3. A Not as difficult yesterday, one that for Matthew van der Poel wouldn't It'd be one he was really eyeing off rather than trying to survive the last climb yesterday, 182Ks. The longest climb of the day is the Umstallestrasse, 3.4Ks at 6%. It's up and down in average gradient then descent. And it's basically punchy climbs for the last 30Ks or or 25Ks to the finish. And then, yeah, like a false flat drag uphill to the finish. So, no real long, – the longest climb before that is at the start, which would help form the break. So, yeah, pretty interesting profile, but certainly one that's perfect for riders like Garcia, Gortina, Matthews, Mathieu van der Poel and and Philippe if it's super, super hard. But yeah, Benji, break did go as expected with, of course, the team Switzerland riders involved. Yes,
0: always, always, always. Claudio Imhoff once again, second time is in the breakaway this week. Same with um, a rally rider as well, wildcard team, so they want to show themselves in the, uh, in the breakaway as well. It was Benjamin King doing so, Remy Rocha for confidence and Matthias Frank, it's been a while since I've seen him at uh, Arzela Mondial. Citroën or whatever the order is that it's set in now but all in all this break wasn't going to do it for men they aren't going to make it today because some teams have settled themselves in the idea that today is a day for their rider and let's be real today is the day for their rider because one of the teams was Alpeson who wanted to win this stage with Vanderpool and they were not necessarily trying to get it to a sprint because we saw them prepping something just before the Olmstellmestrasse, with the entire team at the front, Vanderpool sitting in a fourth or fifth wheel on that uh, on that team, pacing hard towards the bottom of the climb. And it actually opened up on the climb because the last man before Vanderpool, uh Xandro Murisse, was pushing pretty hard again, and then Vanderpool went. And when Vanderpool goes, you know that people are gonna follow. Alaphilippe, Philippe, Karapas trying to follow as well, and so forth. Like, you expected him to attack a bit later, you expected him to attack on the Altburon. You think that this was a good idea?
1: I mean, sure. I think he he said yesterday after he won the stage yesterday, I wanted to make. I asked the team to make the race hard, and it seems that he wants to make the race as hard as possible. Was cold. Maybe he was cold today. Better <laughs> conditions. I thought he'd attack later on the shorter climb, but he must have been feeling good. Maybe he wants to sort of shake off riders like Laporte and Matthews. He wants to make it hard for them more of a classic style yeah. race and obviously it's not going to be, you know, those climbs, he's never going to make them harder than uh, sort of, you know, Alaphilippe or Sharkman, but still created a pretty select group with, I mean, it's funny. He keeps up, he keeps on ending up in these groups with like the main <laughs> GC contenders. It's like uh, Sharkman, Carapaz, Alaphilippe, or no, Sharkman was behind, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Matthew Van der Poel. but then eventually Alaphilippe counted off that. So, that's more surprising to me than Vanderpool attacking because Leaf's also going for GC here, and you know attacking like that. Are you how much time? Best case, are you going to hold off a peloton of or uh, bike exchange, Bora, Ineos? Alps and Phoenix to the stage, you're not going to hold them off. But particularly, this is not like a you know the end of a 250k World Championships race where no domestics are left. There's plenty of domestiques left. Uh, so what, what did you think of Leafs attack, Benji? I'll throw that back at you. Well, it
0: was certainly entertaining. It happened just at the time that the group was getting called by the peloton, so that's a very ideal moment. Because then, then there's like a second where the peloton has to decide who's taking control here. But the peloton did decide very quickly because uh, we saw that Astana first of all started chasing. We noticed that the Koenig is like Van Savenand were getting in second, third, and fourth wheel to make sure that they were blocking the chase, so that whenever Astana was flicking his elbow, that um, nobody would be taking over. But anyone know, saw that. Ineos came to the front with Rohan Dennis and uh, he started hammering it. He even complained a bit to von on that he was blocking the chase, which was kind of funny to see. Um, but Dennis went past the uh, Astana rider and just hammered it. And the gap was 10 seconds for a good five kilometers. And eventually the attack of Alapalib got called again. And we went into uh, the last 10-ish kilometers with other attacks. And I was kind of surprised that Ineos was letting other attacks happen because then Garcia Cortina, for example, went... And he stayed away for quite a bit because I feel like he got 10 seconds, 15 seconds, 14 seconds, 15 seconds. And because Ala Felipe was caught in the peloton, and because, well, the fact that he's not a danger, Garcia Cortina is not a danger for GC, Ineos isn't really chasing behind him. So they've decided, ah, don't really care. The Koenig now, with Ala Felipe in the peloton, is like, well, we might as well still try for the chase for, for the stage itself. And they put people at the front. In that group. So after that, that attack, they've still got the full confidence in Ala to try and set something up for the sprint itself. Alperson Ryder was also in there trying to help to catch Garcia Cortina. Really strong attack by the uh, Spaniard. I'm happy that we can see him right from Movistar in decent form because we haven't really seen that in the classic season. But eventually he also got caught and we, uh, we're venturing into the final few kilometers.
1: I was kind of surprised that. I mean De Koenig must have just been really confident in Al Philippe's sprint. Yeah. Maybe they knew well they're like, Oh, he can he can get four okay, say so he comes third. He still takes four bonus seconds, so you know, that's yeah. good. Any any else, yeah, they nearly got they could have lost some bonus seconds at the intermediate too, but yeah, it was Garcia Cortina bike exchange. Eventually pulling, but I think it might have been that man you mentioned, Muris. Again, I'm not good. At, I'm never good at recognising the Alpson guys. They all <laughs> look the same, except for MVP and those Oakley Kato's Yes, so by the way, Oakley just fucking shelve them. They're they're terrible. They don't. And they're the not ones looking any better. Were
0: wearing as well.
1: <laughs> well, I have to look at his a bit more closely. But those Kato's, mate, like I can't believe. Anyway, I'm wearing actually good Oakleys right now. Um, so. <laughs> I've got no agenda. I'm just saying they're not growing on me. Uh, but, yeah, it was Alperson pulling once again. Garcia Gortino got pulled, I think, brought back with like 800 meters to go. There's a left-hand corner. Maori begins pulling super hard. And, you know, I thought, oh, is Alphieff going to – I thought he was going to let the wheel go at a point. Uh, but the problem with that is I think MVDP is kind of wise to that. He might have seen it coming. And what would end up happening, whilst it sometimes is a good tactic, is MVDP would snap bridge early and then I think he'd probably gap Alaphilippe and go off the wheel uh, and maybe Alaphilippe would then have to close it and then get swamped himself. So, he didn't try and do that. Eventually, it was pretty much – it was MVDP launching really early to the right-hand side. Alaphilippe sort of was late to jump on it. Matthews is coming up the right-hand barrier side on MVDP's wheel and then Alaphilippe swings from the left-hand side, Buani style, to the barrier's and nearly puts Matthews into the barriers, who has to break to avoid that happening. Alaphilippe then sort of runs out of steam. I think Matthews was running out of steam, although he got checked. And it was actually Laporte finishing strong uh, for Cofidis, but MVDP, literally a class above. We almost you try not to take it for granted, but this guy is so so good. I think we said yes said yesterday. You know, like. This is his stage, perfect for him. And um, he's just incredible win from these, these groups when it's not a when it's not a pure bunt sprint. He is yeah. absolutely dynamite in these races. And he's a top ten. Vanderpool, Laporte, Alaphilippe, Matthews, Sharkman, Camp, Benoit, Freyler, Turgis, Woods. Uh, not the strongest sprint field, it must be said. GC uh, uh, Matthew Vanderpool takes the leaders jersey off Stefan Kung. So organizers at Twitter Swiss must be pretty happy, although they've somehow, you know, no one's able to watch their race legitimately because no one seems to have the broadcast rights. I don't know where the broadcast rights are. Alaphilippe second on one second, Kung on four seconds, Sharkman six seconds. So GC all to play for, but Alaphilippe is getting those bonus seconds. He took some back again on Carapaz today. 16 seconds ahead of Carapaz again. But, yeah, Benji, a few things to talk about. What's on your mind? Uh, I'm sure the sprint deviation as well as other things.
0: Well, certainly. I think that it's the one thing uh, that we instantly want to talk about. The fact that Philippe went to the right of the road, from the left side of the road, during the sprint, almost putting Matthews in the barrier there. The only reason that I think he didn't crash was because he braked. So uh, it's a situation we've seen a lot before. We've had relegations and DQs for it. And um, it wouldn't have surprised me if it happened. And we know that they're not going to be consistent about it. The thing is, though, that it's a bike exchange rider that they're doing it to, and Bike Exchange has publicly acknowledged that deviations are race incidents in the, <laughs> in the NPK, so does it, does it really matter then today?
1: I mean, it's, it's come out in the top 10, so Alaphilippe didn't even get relegated. I'm just going to say it. I think Alaphilippe's a dirty rider in sprints. We've got in less than a year, I'll give you some examples, um, Tour de France Stage 7, just reckless, out of control, nearly crashes Sturvin, then shouts at Sturvin, who's sprinting in a straight line. Alaphilippe's all over the place, no sanction. And it often happens these things when he's tired or losing the sprint. Next case in point, Liege Baston, Liege. How can you forget? Checks over his shoulder, just straight up chops. Here she doesn't get any sanction because I guess sprint deviations don't aren't sanctionable unless they're a pure bunch sprint. And but he got relegated at least. He didn't nothing in the Tour de France one. And then today, I think I see zero difference between what Philippe did and what Bouwmeester did. There's zero difference. They're trying to follow a wheel of a rider going quicker on the on the up the barrier side. And in this case for Alaphilippe Viviani in the case of Bouwani, they recklessly, we don't know knowingly, but certainly recklessly swing while sprinting to the right to the other side, a big change of line or lane, and yeah, they could put a rider into the barriers. The difference here today is Matthews yields breaks, so loses momentum or stops pedaling. Stewart didn't yield, and that's why there was the coming together. Same with Jakobsen. You know, if you want to say, well, well, Matthews brake, so no harm, no foul, well then is your logic that Fabio Jacobson should also have braked? I don't hear many people saying that. And I think the rules, even as they stand, if you endanger if you d- deviate from your lane and you endanger another rider whilst you're sprinting, then I would say causing another br- riders rider to take evasive action like braking is endangering them. If you are driving recklessly in your car and you nearly run over a pedestrian and they sort of jump out of the way and take evasive action did you endanger them i think logically you did uh so whether you hit them or not doesn't mean you didn't endanger them so you didn't get relegated we didn't expect him to but i'm just it's another example just write it down your books i'm sure someone's counting at home because we talk about it all the time the inconsistency in the rule application um yeah it's a bit of a shame any other thoughts on it benji
0: yeah nothing to add it's basically that and um I agree with what you say. It's annoying. And it's also annoying that some teams don't mind about sprint deviations. And well, that sets a precedent for their team, because every single time that there's something related to bike exchange now, like we mentioned before, we can also always say that, well, they didn't care last time about the race citizens. Why are they complaining now? And that's a thing that shouldn't happen. They should be more proactive when it comes to the safety of their own riders they should defend their riders when they're being deviated against and i don't agree with that behavior personally so yeah in the end that's uh, a story of today's stage sprint deviations it's been a while since we had one let's be real
1: like <laughs> really and the lucy wasn't that yeah. long ago mate <laughs> <laughs> so, what three races ago i mean oh uh, yeah i think it's almost a meme the bike exchange thing at this point i mean they're going to get matthews to come out after the race publicly and apologize for endangering the barriers and disrespecting the world champs fans <laughs> by the having dream, the temerity right? having the temerity to try and follow mvdp's will i mean maybe uh before we do tomorrow's <laughs> stage preview i want to talk about our show partner, Lacole, L-E-C-O-L dot C C. They even ship to Andorra, which definitely means they ship to wherever you live, unless you live somewhere even more Antarctica? ridiculous. Antarctica. I don't know. I don't know. If they do, if Lacole do ship to Antarctica, I mean, that's just, I might have to talk to them because that just seems like an inefficient business operation. Um, the Pro Air Jersey <laughs> and Base Layer Bundle, it's summer now. I went down to... Uh, down the hill to Spain today and it was hot as fuck and thank God I had the Pro Air jersey on because uh, I mean people told me you're going to come to Andorra it's going to be super cold well no thank God I packed the LeColz summer kit the Pro Air jersey and base layer bundle you can save 25% off now that's before adding any discount codes which there are plentiful ones if you're on Strava join Lacole's club on Strava uh, there's always challenges where you can get discount codes the Pro Edge in base layer bundle. It's really good value as well as the sport bundle, which is a full kit as well. So go and check that out. And thanks to Lacole for supporting the podcast. Tomorrow's stage from Sankt, Sankt Urban to Stade. I actually went skiing in Stade as a, I think, 12-year-old, 171Ks long.
0: So last week...
1: Sorry, <laughs> very no, that's that's fair. Yeah, you got me. You got me there. All right. <laughs> there's two intermediate sprints before the one main climb of the day. So it'll be interesting to see if Philippe and Co. They'll be going for those intermediate sprints, I think, or maybe they want to let the break take it. But there's one main climb of the day, the Sanamusa Pass. With it's seven point five k, is four and a half percent. Let me just check the consistent. It's pretty consistent, and there's no steep pinches in it on the hey, kilometer by kilometer. Profile. Vanderpool, <laughs> I think. I think MVDP is winning this stage. I think so as well. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know it's seven and a half Ks, but it's four and a half percent. I mean, come on! Like, it's the steepest yeah. bit. There's a six point three percent K in the second K, but there's no other climbing really all day. And then it's a he's got descent. It's ten Ks, and there's a five Ks of descent, and oh, maybe three Ks of flats to the finish. Philippe, I mean, Quickstep would have to absolutely launch it. The draft will be huge. Are you going with MVDP again? Yeah, I will. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just, uh, what, what, in what way do you see him losing this stage, Benji? Do you think two point four k is eight percent? He was, okay, he was sort of okay. I think. Can, do you think Matthews would be better cope better than? Uh, MVDP or what about even Garcia Cortina? Is he better on longer climbs?
0: I don't know in his current form. Uh we haven't seen Garcia cortina on a longer climb in a while, so I generally can't tell you. But I think that on paper, Vanderpool in decent form should be able to do so. He's saying that his good form is very much approaching and well, I'd say that he's got some good form already, but he's definitely getting ready for the tour and afterwards the Olympics. So um it's looking very good for him and I I believe that this climb he should be able to get over. I'm curious whether they're going to try. I'd expect them to try. And I would like to uh, throw a bigger thing towards you. He's probably not going to try, but how realistic do you see it that if Van de Poel decides suddenly in one or two years that he wants to try something like the Tour de Suisse 4GC, that he could do well in it?
1: I mean, isn't it this one? <laughs> like, Oh, no, nah, he'll surely get ah. lose a lot of time on... Uh, the next year he
0: didn't even try in Tirano, so would he try on stage yeah terreno
1: had here? a proper mountaintop finish that's the i think the difference is the empty the mountaintop finishes like so the hardest climb in the, the hardest stage in the race and he he won't try he is the last stage stage eight under to under mat to do a loop they got 11ks five and a half percent 16ks five and a half percent long descent valley i mean if alperson brought him back in the valleys maybe he could come back but then they do the uh sangotardo passed thirteen point two k, six point seven percent, which is pretty regular. It goes to two thousand meters. I mean, hasn't he? Didn't he do a really good Strava segment up to two thousand meters last year, Benji, on a climb? Am I misremembering this?
0: You're asking the you wrong person. I'm afraid I don't remember that at all.
1: <laughs> anyway, I think sure. I think MVDP. Do I think he has the talent to win a Tour de Swiss with this sort of? uh parkour yes the problem is he doesn't try with tts <laughs> i don't think he doesn't really care actually well the the tt wow. on the last tt is nine and a half k six point five percent and then they of a descent how TT. long has it
0: been since we had a mountain time trial like in a world tour race since the giro at some year or have we seen another one
1: like do you classify the san luca bologna uh one as a mountain or just <laughs> like a hilltop finish or Planche de Belfilles. is that hill or mountain? It's hill, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, of course, Planche de Belfi was, was definitely one, my bad. I, I consider that a mountaintop, mountain, mountain top, mountain top trial, to be honest. <laughs>
1: I don't know, this one's longer than that. I mean, how many minutes is Dumoulin winning this by? It's like perfect for him, right? <laughs> Nine and a half yeah. K, 6.5% climb. And we it, we yeah, don't often on. have
0: time trials with descents. And that, that's what surprised me the most about this, because usually we've got uh, an uphill section of time trial with as limited amount of descents as possible, just in case that it rains or something. Yeah. And a time trial could become very dangerous, but it's only like 5%, so it's not like it's uh, a 10% descent that they're doing in the time trial. But it's still interesting to see. I uh, I look forward to seeing it.
1: Dennis is going to win that TT by an obscene margin, I think. But anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, this was our recap of Stage Three of the Tour de Suisse got the Tour of Slovenia tomorrow. We will be covering the Tour of Slovenia for a couple of really? reasons. We will be sorry. I'm telling Benji live. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Benji, tell you, tell you, work. You're busy um, for a couple of reasons. First, uh, when the back to, when the Tour de France champion is going to a tune-up, his Tour de France tune up. I don't really care that it's not a World Tour race, and you know, in preparation yes. for defending his title. That's firstly. Secondly, the organisers are really cool. And they're letting us use. I've been speaking to them, and they've let um, agreed to let us use highlight footage. Um, so that's awesome for them to promote the race. So big ups to the Tour of Slovenia organisers. Uh, and thirdly, it's a good race, and Slovenian fans are mass, uh, you know, big big fans. And fourthly, Benji found that statistic. We were the, at points this year the biggest sports podcast in Slovenia. So we want to keep serving that fan base as well. So we'll be covering the Tour of Slovenia. UAE got a stacked team, like a ridiculous team. And it's also possibly got the steepest finish this year in uh, pro cycling maybe or definitely that the the World Tour teams will do on stage four. It's apparently a disgusting climb. So stay tuned for that and we'll have uh, that in the pod with the Tour de Swiss stage four tomorrow. Until then, ciao.